Hi everyone, Matt here. The current book we're reading is Peter Pan and we started it in episode 15. So if you haven't been listening to the podcast so far, I suggest going back to episode 15 so that you know what's going on. If you're brand new to the podcast, I'd say go back to episode two where we read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and you can binge all the way from there. Thanks. Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. I'm David Cox. And I'm Josh Matheson. And this week we're looking at the last chapter of Peter <gasps> Panboy. Last chapter. I can't believe We've it. We've finally made it. We have. When, when we started it said it's 17. Like, I couldn't even imagine... Like a lot has happened in the real world. So, yeah. So it's, it's really yeah, nice. no, it has. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been good been a good journey it's been real <laughs> all right so just get all misty about it and, yeah i know yeah <laughs> trying to make I'd it more emotionally it. in depth than it actually is yeah. <laughs> so this week we're looking at chapter 17 which is yep. i'm so gonna get it wrong again. come on when wendy come on grew up yeah is that right when wendy grew up amazing there we go yep. the last there week we had the children finally coming back to london we kind of yeah. started with the Lost Boys and Peter playing pirates and them sailing to far kind of close enough to London where they could then take off and start flying. And then the narrator did this weird kind of thing of like, oh, we're now going to jump to London. We, we might as well stay here because we're here now, as if he'd like walked there or something rather than just jump there in a sentence. We then stuck in London and found out about how the darlings are coping with the children being gone, which wasn't very well to be honest they've kind of well. both had their own versions of a mental breakdown with yeah mrs darling losing her childlike innocence and any kind of happiness or joy in her eyes and um mr darling taking to living in a doghouse indefinitely including going to work in it he literally lost the plot because it went completely. It was the most unexpected thing in the entire novel mm. by a country mile, and I won't hear anything. And he anything became different. the most famous man in all of Bloomsbury, or whatever it was. Well, yeah, I and mean, when you got the whole of London turning out to cheer him along, like he's a parade float, oh, which just makes me glad that London's a, a much more thriving and busy place than it probably was back then. <laughs> That would be such a good Halloween costume, though, like wearing a doghouse. Like... Well, one thing we can say about Mr. Darling, by the end of the chapter, he certainly wasn't a blancmange anymore, was he? he was no, not. he'd grown. He'd definitely grown, which was nice to see. He was a fully-fledged double chocolate fudge. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the dessert with the most substance, according to you? Yeah, because you know, there's a lot of layers. It's quite a dense... But the... Chapter kind of took a little bit of a sinister turn at the end with Peter Pan and Tinkerbell arriving ahead of the children with the plan of shutting the window so that they believe that the family's moved on and forgotten about them and that they have no home anymore in London so that they would travel back with him to Neverland. And then having seen Mrs. Darling crying at the piano, Peter kind of came to his senses and realised that, oh, actually, no, you know, there's a relationship here that I fully don't understand, but, you know, and he was slightly moved by Mrs. Darling's anguish and then decided to actually open the window and let the kids return. But there was a moment where we thought our hero, and in quotation marks, was going to do a wrong in and kind of end up being a bit of an anti-hero at yeah. the end there. But then he, he had a change of heart. So 
I mean, we've got no idea where we're jumping in here. We could be 10 years in the future. We could be 20 years in the future. We could be two days. Who knows? So should we jump in and have a look? Oh, yeah. Yes, let's. The final chapter. Here we go. Chapter 17. When Wendy grew up. I hope you want to know what became of the other boys. No. (laughs) (laughs) Why start with that? You wrote the chapter title. (laughs) You've you've stated your flipping case at the start about who you deem to be the most important. And I'm I'm fine with that. So stop apologising. Don't talk about the Lost Boys. They were waiting below to give Wendy time to explain about them. And when they had counted 500... They went up. Oh my God, they're at the house. They're waiting below the window still they're here. to be they're, like, they're, they're oh they're yeah, mum, by the way, there's now, you now have 10 kids. Congratulations. This is the <laughs> 101 Dalmatians moment. They went up by the stair because they thought this would make a better impression. They stood in a row in front of Mrs. Darling with their hats off and wishing they were not wearing their pirate clothes. They said nothing, but their eyes asked her to have them. They ought to have looked at Mr. Darling also, but they forgot about him. Of course, Mrs. Darling said at once that she would have them, but Mr. Darling was curiously depressed, and they saw that he considered six a rather large number. I must say, he said to Wendy, that you don't do things by halves, a grudging remark which the twins thought was pointed at them. The first twin was the proud one, and he asked, flushing, Uh, Do you think we should be too much of a handful, sir? Because if so, we can go away. Father, Wendy cried, shocked. But still the cloud was on him. He knew he was behaving unworthily, but he could not help it. We could lie doubled up, said Nibs. (laughs) Oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? It was your plan all along, wasn't it? And all the boys are like, no, put me out on the street. (laughs) I always cut their hair myself, said Wendy. George, Mrs. Darling exclaimed, pained to see her dear one showing himself in such an unfavourable light. Then he burst into tears, and the truth came out. He was as glad to have them as she was, he said, but he thought they should have asked his consent as well as hers, instead of treating him as a cipher, zero, in his own house. I don't think he is a cipher. Tootles cried instantly. Do you think he is a cipher, Curly? No, I don't. Do you think he is a cipher, Slightly? Red or not, Twin, what do you think? It turned out that not one of them thought him a cipher, and he was absurdly gratified, and said he would find space for them all in the drawing room if they fitted. We'll fit in, sir, they assured him. Then follow the leader he cried gaily. Mind you, I'm not sure that we have a drawing room, but we pretend we have, and it's all the same. Hoopla! <laughs> so you've got no evidence. Hoopla! I quite like the phrase hoopla, just at the end Brilliant. of the sentence. I'm imagining that the collar and the chain to the doghouse is still on Mr. Darling as he walks out the room with the house trailing behind him. He wears it as a symbol. <laughs> yeah. He does. He went off dancing through the house and they all cried hoopla and danced after him, searching for the drawing room. And I forget whether they found it, but at any rate they found corners and they all fitted in. As for Peter, he saw Wendy once again before he flew away. 
he did not exactly come to the window, but he brushed against it in passing, so that she could open it, if she liked, to call to him. That is what she did. Hello, Wendy, good boy, he said. Oh, dear, are you going away? Yes. You don't feel, Peter, she said falteringly, that you'd like to say anything to my parents about a very sweet subject. No. About me, Peter? No. Mrs. Darling came to the window, for at present she was keeping a sharp eye on Wendy. She told Peter that she had adopted all the other boys and would like to adopt him also. Would you send me to school? he inquired craftily. Yes, and then to an office. I suppose so. Soon I'd, I would be a man. Very soon. I don't want to go to school and learn solemn things, he told her passionately. I don't want to be a man. Oh, Wendy's mother, if I was to wake up and feel there was a beard. Peter, said Wendy the comforter, I should love you in a beard. And Mrs. Darling stretched out her arms to him, but he repulsed her. Keep back, lady. No one's going to catch me and make me a man. But where are you going to live? With Tink, in the house we built for Wendy. The fairies are to put it high up among the treetops where they sleep at nights. How lovely, cried Wendy, so longingly that Mrs. Darling tightened her grip. I thought all the fairies were dead, Mrs. Darling said. There are always a lot of young ones, explained Wendy who was now quite an authority, because you see when a new baby laughs for the first time a new fairy is born, and there are always new babies, and there are always new fairies. They live in nests on the top of trees, and the mauve ones are boys, and the white ones are girls, and the blue ones are just little sillies who are not sure what they are. <laughs> is that a bit of transphobia like yeah put in there as well or like a little just silly. little sillies yeah you're a little silly if you're if you don't conform to binary gender type <laughs> <laughs> uh. i shall have such fun said peter with eye on wendy it'll be rather lonely in the evening she said sitting by the fire i shall have tink Tink can't go a twentieth part of the way round, she reminded him a little tartly. Sneaky telltale ding. <laughs> Tink called out from somewhere round the corner. It doesn't matter, Peter said. Oh, Peter, you know it matters. Well then, come with me to the little house. May I, Mummy? Certainly not. I've got you home again and I mean to keep you. But he does so need a mother. So you do, my love. Oh, all right, said Peter, as if he had asked her from politeness merely. But Mrs. Darling saw his mouth twitch, and she made this handsome offer, to let Wendy go with him for a week every year to do his spring cleaning. Ah, come on now, not to go and have an adventure, to go and clean his house. So he's essentially saying, I want you to come with me because I need a maid. It's not yeah, because I, I want your companionship... You know, I think we get along really well. You know, I want to hang out. Yeah, no, just, just, I need someone to pick up after me. Wendy would have preferred a more permanent arrangement, and it seemed to her that spring would be long in coming. But this promise sent Peter away quite gay again. 
He had no sense of time and was so full of adventures that all I have told you about them is only a halfpenny worth of them. I suppose it was because Wendy knew this that her last words to him were these rather plaintive ones. You won't forget me, Peter, will you? Before spring cleaning time comes. Of course, Peter promised, and then he flew away. He took Mrs. Darling's kiss with him. The kiss that had been for no one else, Peter took quite easily. Funny, but she seemed satisfied. Of course, all the boys went to school, and most of them got into class three, but slightly was put first into class four and then into class five. Class one is the top class. Oh, wait, so we thought, I thought it was going to be the other way around. I thought Slightly was going to be the smart one, and it turns out he's the dumb no. one. <laughs> Slightly, Slightly's definitely the dumb Surely one. Surely they're way <laughs> behind. Yeah. Well, maybe in the short time that Wendy was there, she was a really good tutor. Before they had attended school a week, they saw what goats they had been not to remain on the island. And it was too late now. And soon they settled down to being as ordinary as you or me or Jenkins Minor, the younger Jenkins, It is sad to have to say that the power to fly gradually left them. At first, Nana tied their feet to the bedposts so that they should not fly away in the night. How? (laughs) How? How? How what? Let's pull that through. We've just got the two paws. Just getting like... Oh, how does she manage to do it? Yeah. She she does a lot with her mouth. I'm aware that Nana has ability beyond the average canine which, you know, to do with caring and, and taking the kids and escorting them. And medicine. When it comes to manual, dexterous tasks, I'm not buying it. Well, in the <laughs> Disney film, she uses her ears for everything, doesn't she? She, like, yeah, pushes the tray onto work. the table with her ears, like their hands. So maybe that's this where they've a, gotten that from. T- this is a nimble task. Mm, no, it's true. <laughs> I don't think, uh, but they did fly away because she was terrible at it, is what yeah. I want to hear. <laughs> I know I'm not going to. And one of their diversions by day was to pretend to fall off buses, the English (laughs) double-deckers. But by and by, they ceased to tug at their bonds in bed and found that they hurt themselves when they let go of the bus. That's the worst way to find out you can't fly anymore when you go, look at this, and then you jump out the bus and then realise you can't fly. Yeah, onto the West (laughs) West. Crumpled children on the streets. Yeah. (laughs) In time, they could not even fly after their hats. Want of practice, they called it, but what it really meant was that they no longer believed. Michael believed longer than the other boys, though they jeered at him, so he was with Wendy when Peter came for her at the end of the first year. She flew away with Peter in the frock she had woven from leaves and berries in the Neverland, and her one fear was that he might notice how short it had become. Where, what do the berries do in this dress? Are they just for, like, decoration? Or? They're just, they're just I a don't imagine they little... cover much. No. I'm... <laughs> yeah, but they might have it's a different two, type of berry. There's just two though. berries on there, Matt. Two <laughs> berries. I wonder where those two berries are. <laughs> <laughs> it's also very impractical material to make a dress out of because they just squish every time you sit down. You just end up with juice running down your legs. Ugh. <laughs> oh. I thought she worried about them being too short. <laughs> I'm going to sit on my berries. They're also... <laughs> Completely different meaning when you're a boy. <laughs> yeah, she hasn't got to worry about that. No. But he never noticed. He had so much to say about himself. She had looked forward to thrilling talks with him about old times, 
but new adventures had crowded the old ones from his mind. Who's Captain Hook? he asked with interest when she spoke of the arch enemy. Don't you remember? she asked, amazed. How you killed him and, and saved all our lives? I forget them after I kill them, he replied <laughs> carelessly. Whoa! So like, Hook Ooh. would know, like, Proper psycho. Memory, like, that's the most disrespectful oh. you could ever do. Yeah, like, yeah. You, me, me doing the ultimate. My ultimate aim one year ago was to kill this, uh, this villain, my my adversary, my anti-adversary, and I just forgot as soon as it happened. So Hook's got nothing. Hook could be turning in his grave. Does that not beg the question of how many other arch nemeses were there before Hook came along yeah. and killed and forgot about? <laughs> I just didn't know. When she expressed a doubtful hope that Tinkerbell would be glad to see her, he said. Who is Tinkerbell? Mm. Oh, oh Peter, that's sad. She said, shocked. But even when she explained, he could not remember. There are such a lot of them, he said. I expect she is no more. I expect wow. he was right. This is so dark. <laughs> I know, what's happening here? It's like, it's like he... watching a character slip into dementia. Yeah. I expect he was right, for fairies don't live long but they are so little that a short time seems a good while to them. Wendy was pained too to find that the past year was but as yesterday to Peter. It had seemed such a long year of waiting to her. But he was exactly as fascinating as ever, and they had a lovely spring cleaning in the little house on the treetops. Next year he did not come for her. She waited in a new frock because the old one would simply not meet, but he never came. I was waiting for this to happen because I'm almost surprised that he came the first time. Yeah. Well, I know. Because Entire if years, he's you forgotten who Hook is and forgotten who Tinkerbell is and he's known them a hell of a lot longer than he knew Wendy, yeah. I'm amazed that he remembered her. Perhaps he's ill, Michael said. You know he's never ill. Michael came close to her and whispered with a shiver, Perhaps there's no such person, Wendy. And then Wendy would have cried if Michael had not been crying. Peter came next spring cleaning and the strange thing was that he never knew he had missed a year. That was the last time the girl Wendy ever saw him. For a little longer she tried for his sake not to have growing pains and she felt she was untrue to him when she got a prize for general knowledge. But the years came and went without bringing the careless boy. And when they met again, Wendy was a married woman, and Peter was no more to her than a little dust in the box in which she had kept her toys. Wendy was grown up. You need not be sorry for her. She was one of the kind that likes to grow up. In the end, she grew up of her own free will a day quicker than the other girls. All the boys were grown up and done for by this time so it is scarcely worthwhile saying anything more about them. You may see the twins, and Nibs and Curly, any day going to an office, each carrying a little bag and an umbrella. Michael is an engine driver, a train engineer. Slightly married a lady of title, and so he became a lord. You see that judge in a wig coming out of the iron door. That used to be Tootles. The bearded man who doesn't know any story to tell to his children was once John. 
Wendy was married in white, with a pink sash. It is strange to think that Peter did not alight in the church and forbid the bands, the formal announcement of the marriage. Years rolled on again, and Wendy had a daughter. This ought not to be written in ink, but in a golden splash. She was called Jane, and always had an odd inquiring look, as if from the moment she arrived on the mainland she wanted to ask questions. When she was old enough to ask them, they were mostly about Peter Pan. She loved to hear of Peter, and Wendy told her all she could remember in the very nursery from which the famous flight had taken place. Oh, so she still lives in the same house? I guess so. She never left home. It's going to be worth a fortune, so keep it. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Kensington Gardens, you are going to be multi-millionaires, guys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was Jane's nursery now, for her father had bought it at the 3% mortgage rate from Wendy's father, who was no longer fond of stairs. Mrs. Darling was now dead and forgotten. <gasps> Gosh, this is so bleak. Whoa. It's, just the fact, it's not even the fact that people have died, because you expect that as part of life, but it's the forgotten. That's yeah. what makes it really callous. There were only two beds in the nursery now, Jane's and her nurse's, and there was no kennel, for Nana had also passed away. She died of old age, and at the end she had been rather difficult to get on with, being very firmly convinced that no one knew how to look after the children except herself. Once a week, Jane's nurse had her evening off, and then it was Wendy's part to put Jane to bed. That was the time for stories. It was Jane's invention to raise the sheet over her mother's head and her own, thus making a tent, and in the awful darkness to whisper, What do we see now? I don't think I see anything tonight says Wendy, with the feeling that if Nana were here, she would object to further conversation. But Nana was dead and forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do, says Jane. You see, when you were a little girl... That is a long time ago, sweetheart, says Wendy. Ah me, how time flies. Does it fly? asks the artful child. The way you flew when you were a girl... The way I flew. Do you know, Jane, I sometimes wonder whether I ever did really fly. Yes, you did. The dear old days when I could fly. Why can't you fly now, mother? Because I'm grown up, dearest. When people grow up, they forget the way. Why do they forget the way? Because they are no longer gay and innocent and heartless. It's only the gay and innocent and heartless who can fly. What is gay and innocent and heartless? I do wish I were gay and innocent and heartless. Or perhaps Wendy admits she does see something. I do believe, she says, that it is this nursery. I do believe it is, says Jane. Go on. They are now embarked on the great adventure of the night when Peter flew in looking for his shadow. The foolish fellow, says Wendy, tried to stick it on with soap. And when he could not, he cried and that woke me and I sewed it on for him. You've missed a bit, interrupts Jane, who now knows the story better than her mother. 
when you saw him sitting on the floor crying, what'd you say? I sat up in bed and I said, boy, why are you crying? Yeah, that was it, says Jane with a big breath. And then he flew us all away to the Neverland and the fairies and the pirates and the redskins and the mermaids lagoon and the home under the ground and the little house. Yes. Which did you like best of all? I think I liked the home under the ground best of all. Yeah, so do I. What was the last thing Peter ever said to you? The last thing he ever said to me was, just always be waiting for me. And then some night you'll hear me crow him. Yes. But alas, he forgot all about me, Wendy said with a smile. She was as grown up as that. What did his crow sound like? Jane asked one evening. Chicka chicka tea! What was the Italian one again? Chicka chicka tea! Yeah, it was like chicky chicky tea or something, wasn't it? <laughs> It was like this, Wendy said, trying to imitate Peter's crow. No, it wasn't, Jane said gravely. It was like this. And she did it ever so much better than her mother. Wendy was a little startled. My darling, how can you know? I often hear it when I'm sleeping, Jane said. Ah, yes. Many girls hear it when they're sleeping. But I was the only one who heard it awake. Lucky you, said Jane. And then one night came the tragedy. It was the spring of the year and the story had been told for the night and Jane was now asleep in her bed. Wendy was sitting on the floor very close to the fire so as to see to darn for there was no other light in the nursery and while she sat darning she heard a crow. Then the window blew open as of old and Peter dropped in on the floor. He was exactly the same as ever, and Wendy saw at once that he still had all his first teeth. He was a little boy, and she was grown up. She huddled by the fire, not daring to move, helpless and guilty, a big woman. Hello, Wendy, he said, not noticing any difference, for he was thinking chiefly of himself, and in the dim light, her white dress might have been the nightgown in which he had seen her first. Hello, Peter, she replied faintly, squeezing herself as small as possible. Something inside her was crying. Woman, woman, let go of me. Hello, where is John? he asked, suddenly missing the third bed. John is not here now, she gasped. Is Michael asleep? he asked with a careless glance at Jane. Yes, she answered. And now she felt that she was untrue to Jane as well as to Peter. That is not Michael, she said quickly, lest the judgment should fall onto her. Peter looked. Hello, is it a new one? Yes, boy or girl? Girl. Now surely he would understand... But not a bit of it. Peter, she said, faltering. Are you expecting me to fly away with you? Of course. That's why I've come. He added a little sternly. Have you forgotten that this is the spring cleaning time? Wow, it's not a clue, is he? 
She knew it was useless to say that he had let many spring cleaning times pass. I can't come, she said apologetically. I've forgotten how to fly. I'll soon teach you again. Oh, Peter, don't waste the fairy dust on me. She had risen, and now at last a fear assailed him. What is it? he cried, shrinking. I will turn up the light, she said, and then you can see for yourself. For almost the only time in his life that I know of, Peter was afraid. Don't turn up the light, he said. She let her hands play in the hair of the tragic boy. She was not a little girl, heartbroken about him. She was a grown woman, smiling at it all. But they were wet-eyed smiles. Then she turned up the light, and Peter saw. He gave a cry of pain, and when the tall, beautiful creature stooped to lift him in her arms, he drew back sharply. What is it? he cried again. She had to tell him. I am old, Peter. I'm ever so much more than twenty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which with life expectancy at this time is pretty much middle aged. That's true. <laughs> I love that like the the whole thing is just turned on like as he just has not noticed in the darkness that she's not the same she doesn't look the same anymore. Yeah. It's not until they've turned the light on. That he's even realised. He, gen- he genuinely thinks it's been only a year since the last time. Yeah, there's there. obviously... This is really hitting home about his lack of um, sense of time passing. Mm. The fact that yeah. he still thinks Michael's a baby and would be sleeping in the bed. Yeah. Even though it's been probably by this time about 20, 25 years that has passed. You promised not to. I couldn't help it. I'm a married woman, Peter. No, you're not. Yes. And the little girl in the bed is my baby. No, she's not. But he supposed she was. And he took a step toward the sleeping child with his dagger upraised. Oh, God. Of course, he did not strike. He sat down on the floor instead and sobbed. And Wendy did not know how to comfort him. Though she could have done it so easily once. Surely now as an adult, she must look at this kid and go, you are a psycho. <laughs> yeah, but she, I, guess, I guess all of her memories are just so fond that she'll rose tinted glasses. Yeah, but if you see a 10 year old boy walking towards your sleeping child with a knife raised, knowing yeah, that true. he is someone who has killed before and shrugged it off, I wouldn't yeah, let true. him anywhere near her. She was only a woman now and she ran out of the room to try to think. Peter continued to cry, and soon his sobs woke Jane. She sat up in bed and was interested at once. Boy, she said, why are you crying? Sub is stuck in a time loop, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, No. Peter rose and bowed to her, and she bowed to him from the bed. Hello, he said. Hello, said Jane. My name is Peter Pan, he told her. Yes, I know. I came back for my mother, he explained, to take her back to Neverland. Yes, I know, Jane said. I've been waiting for you. When Wendy returned, diffidently, she found Peter sitting on the bedpost, crowing gloriously, while Jane in her nightie was flying around the room in solemn ecstasy. 
She is my mother, Peter explained, and Jane descended and stood by his side, with the look in her face that he liked to see on ladies when they gazed at him. He does so need a mother, Jane said. Yes, I know, Wendy admitted, rather forlornly. No one knows so well as I. Goodbye, said Peter to Wendy, and he rose in the air, and the shameless Jane rose with him. It was already her easiest way of moving about. Wendy rushed to the window. No, no, she cried. It's just for spring cleaning time, Jane said. He wants me to do his spring cleaning. If only I could go with you, Wendy sighed. You see, you can't fly, said Jane. Of course, in the end, Wendy let them fly away together. Our last glimpse of her shows her at the window, watching them receding into the sky until they were as small as stars. As you look at Wendy, you may see her hair becoming white and her figure little again. For all this happened long ago. Jane is now a common grown-up with a daughter called Margaret. Oh, wow, so we've just suddenly jumped into the future again. Yeah. So this is, Um, what, like another 20 years in the future? Yeah. Yeah, Wendy's now grandma, I think, yeah. And every spring cleaning time, except when he forgets, Peter comes for Margaret and takes her to the Neverland, where she tells him stories about himself. Can someone put a padlock on this window? (laughs) I know, right? Why are people, why are they letting this man take their daughters? Peter comes for Margaret and takes her to the Neverland, where she tells him stories about himself, to which he listens eagerly. When Margaret grows up, she will have a daughter, who is to be Peter's mother in turn, and thus it will go on, so long as children are gay and innocent and heartless. The end. Am I the only one who thinks that Jay and Barry should have finished the book a chapter earlier? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't think that was necessary. That was like an epilogue chapter where it's like, if you fancy reading it, you can, but you don't have to. Do you know what I mean? Rather than something that was integral to the story, I didn't feel oh, like. Oh yeah, it definitely added wasn't anything. integral to the story. No, but it makes you—it just makes you wonder about. Okay, well maybe Mrs. Darling, you know, t- took that route as well, and she was she went away to Neverland and like, then had forgotten about it. Mm. And is it this this perpetual cycle? Well, it seems like generational kidnapping, servitude. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, and I—it's a bit bleak for kids, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, you're going to get that that young, sprightly character that we all love, which is going to become an old woman. Yeah, everyone's dead and forgotten. Looking at lit charts on this charts. That was my foghorn. I had to make that count because we don't know if we're going to actually be using lit charts in the future. It's true on your on our next book. Who knows? Yeah. So this little analysis bit on love is says, um, we are full of memories of people we love and of places we love in nearly the same way. What would we be otherwise? Imagine a person who has forgotten everyone he has ever loved because he never loved them in any way other than as a child, which is to love in a selfish way. That is Peter Pan. And oh. it does make his life seem so empty and meaningless. Yeah. 
Well, that's just like yeah. forgetting forgetting about Captain Hook. I was like, God, because that's what I thought gave your life meaning. Yeah, it gave him a sense of purpose. So is, in some ways, is this supposed to be somewhat of a cautionary tale for children to be like, it's really important that you that you grow up and get get on with life? It or could it, be. I don't really yeah. sort of get, get the, the, the point. It almost says like your childhood is selfish. Rather, you'd rather have a book that went, make the most of your childhood because it's precious yeah. and you won't get it back. That would have been a it's nicer true. thing. Yeah. Like if Peter was just like the essence of like youth and love and innocence, but they made him the complete opposite. Youth is trash. It's folly. It's a complete yeah. waste of time. And you need to grow up and get a boring job. And have a maybe old that, fashioned nursery. Maybe well these maybe these are characteristics that they tried to instill in Victorian children because they were quite stuffy and very prim and proper and were expected to behave in a very specific way. Which is basically that mm. they were mini adults rather than children. So maybe this is in line with that. But it it's it is like it is interesting because now I think it it is completely changed my view of the character itself. Mm. And like, you know, for example, in in Hyde Park you've got the Peter Pan play park and there's the peter pan memorial fountain not memorial fountain the memorial <laughs> he's dead peter finally died yeah. and it's like oh yeah look he's the essence of childhood mm. like we're gonna name a play park after this character but no no he's he's, he's he's a cautionary tale yeah and it's not until you read the book that you actually see the negative connotations linked to that that he is this ever child do you know what i mean rather than it being something to be celebrated of like we should all be just constantly have the wonder of a child when we come to approaching the world it's actually showing you what the the superficialness of that and how there are so many other things that you can only appreciate that are deeper and more meaningful when you grow up and you actually start to appreciate them properly be careful what you wish for because you just <laughs> might get it <laughs> This really has become the Pussycat Dolls. Uh, who knew that the, the pearls of wisdom hidden in the Pussycat Dolls? Try and superimpose the faces of <laughs> Wendy Peter onto the Pussycat Dolls. <laughs> when I There's up. your t-shirt. Yeah, definitely. So we were kind of intrigued as to how Peter remembers Wendy when he's forgotten Hook and Tinkerbell. Says here, Peter does not forget Wendy quite as quickly as he forgets the others. She was his mother and she brought into his life a drop of the sort of childhood that does finally turn into adulthood. So it's maybe just the case that she had, although it was a fleeting relationship, because it was a mother-son relationship or a mothering relationship, it had a slightly more significant impact on him than his adversary or his friend. There's a little bit here on growing up. Michael, John and the Lost Boys love Peter Pan because they want to be him, to be children forever. But Wendy never wanted to stay a child forever. She wants to grow up, not because she is boring or unimaginative or conventional, but because she is not heartless. She does admire Peter, but in her precocious heart, she also pities him. That is perhaps the main reason she agreed to come to Neverland in the first place. So it's actually saying that Wendy didn't go because she wanted to be immortal or a, or a child forever, but actually because she looked at him as this child who is perpetually a child and felt sorry for him and was like, someone needs to take care of you and look after you because you clearly need it. There's clearly a big, massive, gaping hole in your heart and in your life <laughs> that kind of needs filling. Um, yeah, it, it, it does. It does put importance on that particular line. Boy, why are you crying 
and it mm. e- and it echoes again through Jane saying it. So that's clearly like that. Ah, okay. So all of the line through Wendy have this clear like pathos for uh, your man. This is quite interesting just to look at the ending because we have this kind of cycle presented to us of the daughters, each daughter becoming the new person who he takes to clean his house for him. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> but it kind of explains why Peter has this repetition. One cannot love someone one does not remember. The closest Peter comes to love is repetition. And so he must love Wendy by loving Jane. Children like fairies die young to become adults, but new ones soon replace them. The fairies at Peter's side replace one and one other in a never-ending cycle, and the Wendy's do too. He comes back for them year after year, flying close to love and away again. Ooh. So it's his own way of... Because he can't grow up and because he can't develop these significant relationships, he relies on repetition. He relies on the same shallow, superficial relationship being created over and over and over again. And that's his way of kind of filling that void. Yeah. Which again, just makes this whole thing so feel so bleak. Yeah, it's just so much... Yeah, it's so much darker than you... As, then, well, then I suppose it would whatever Disney does is yeah. going to be fluffy isn't it mm. well because you almost in the Disney program pity the children because they grow up yeah. rather than pitying Peter you feel like they're the ones who have lost out by losing their childhood and having to grow up in the real world but here in this one you almost feel the opposite you actually kind of feel sorry for Peter and the fact that he's just stuck in this perpetual loop of meaninglessness it's like a broken record isn't it yeah. So if you have any comments or opinions on this whole book, you can contact us on thelazybookclub at gmail.com. If you want to tell us how you don't ever want to grow up, you can do it on Twitter. <laughs> We're at lazybookclubpod. And I can't think of anything witty, but we're also on Instagram <laughs> at lazybookclubpod. You can also send us a voice message through Anchor if you are listening to us through that. So next week, we are going to be doing our epilogue episode, just like we did at the end of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. We're going to have Noah joining us. He's going to put us through our paces and quiz us to see who remembers the most. <laughs> I think, Josh, you're winning at the moment, aren't you? You're one book I to love Neil a Neil. quiz! I'm yeah, definitely going to I, I did win the last quiz. I, felt like you want to, if, I gave it to you, if you'd though, like, but, you know... Whatever. I don't care if uh, I don't. That, I, I still won, and if you'd like to go back and listen to my victory, I believe it's uh, episode fourteen uh, of yes. season one. <laughs> so we'll be doing a little bit of a, a chat about the themes. Uh, Noah's normally very good at bringing some insight as to the history and the context of these books, so we'll have a little chat about that, and then yeah, we'll go into the end of season quiz. To win the golden bookmark. I might even have a glass of wine. What? Golden bookmark? (laughs) (laughs) To celebrate. Yeah. So we'll see you next week for a quiz and a bit of revelry. And yeah, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.